Today we're starting a new series. We haven't done that in a while. How many know what a series is? It's a series of messages that all contain one global theme. Instead of one-off messages, a series is a bunch that tie to one thing, thing, theme, theme. And today we are going to talk about Moses. He's a gangster. Y'all just think he's this guy in a robe and he, he went through the Red Sea. This guy was called. He was the, the Jesus before the Jesus, but he wasn't the Messiah part. He was just, he was, he was the, 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 the man for his day to lead people. And so I was calling the series Moses Moments because we're going to look at four weeks of different moments that Moses had. These were pivotal moments. There is no growth in comfort seasons. I know it sounds cliche, but it is so true. There is no growth in comfortable seasons. And we're going to look at the seasons Moses faced that were pivotal, transitional, that without, he would have never became the guy who took Israel out of Egypt. But we're going to go way back. We're going to go OG Moses, like back in the, back in the, uh, the delivery stage of when he was born today. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Get up, give it up for Caleb. Caleb, you're killing it. Caleb's running pro presenter today for the first time, and he's, he's doing awesome. That's my son. And uh, we put him to work. It says, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Real quick. The tribe of Levi was kind of the ministry tribe of the 12 of Israel. So, so, so let's give you some, some background here. So Jacob was a guy. He was, he was the grandchild of Abraham. We've heard of Abraham. Um, Father Abraham, something like that. Father Abraham. You remember that from somewhere, somewhere, YouTube nowadays? I don't know where you find that song, but in Sunday school when I was a kid, Vince. And so, so, so Jacob was the grandson, and then Jacob grew up, and God touched his hip and hurt him and gave him a limp. And he said, now, now you'll know that I called you, and your new name is Israel. And so Israel goes, okay, I'm going to do your thing, God, just like my grandpa here, and I'm going to have some children. And he had 12 sons. And, and those sons, we heard, remember we preached on the series of Joseph, the, the, the son with the coat of many colors. The other 11 tried to kill him because he says, I'm going to rule y'all, and he compared them to wheat stalks. How many remember that? So that was Joseph. Now, that's the great-grandson of Abraham. I'm keeping my lineage straight here. I'm not good with math. And so those 12 sons ended up having children, and they became 12 tribes. And those 12 tribes became the Israelites that are, to this day, coming from Egypt, trying to get out. And one of those tribes was called the tribe of Levi. So that is where we are now. Y'all still with me? All right. <clears throat> now, man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. Makes sense. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, oh, he fine, not like that. She hid him for three months, her pregnancy. She hid it for three months. Moms, y'all know you can only hide it for so long, right, before the baby bump shows. So that's what happened here. She hid him for three months. Why would she hide him? I'm going to get to that. But she could no longer hide him hide him no longer, and she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Hey, this sounds like an ark. You know God uses the same materials for different seasons to build new things. Then she placed the child in it and put, among the, put it among the reeds at the bank of the Nile. Now let me give you context here. 
she was hiding the baby because the, uh, the Israelites were under the command of the Egyptian Pharaoh who had called for all baby boys two and younger to be killed. Well, that's not nice. No, it's not. But, but, but when people want control, they set aside feelings and they do what they got to do. And Pharaoh knew God was up to something. So he wanted to get rid of all the male boys because guess what? They become soldiers later in life. And eventually he was afraid. He knew in his, 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 his core that eventually Israel was going to challenge him and do something with him. So that's why his own daughter took it upon herself, guys. It's her dad wanting to kill all the babies. And, and she said, this isn't right. There's something special about this baby. So, so we got to hide it. So, excuse me, I jumped ahead here. When, Mo, when Moses' mother got pregnant here, she went to hide the baby because God told her to put him by the river for a reason. That's why she was hiding it. But now we're going to see in verse 4 and 5 here what I just said. Verse 4, Caleb, his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. So the baby had a sister and was big enough to watch this thing. Verse 5, then Pharaoh's daughter, the man who commanded all the babies to die, his own daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. That's typical. And her attendants were walking along the riverbank, and she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. I know it sounds weird, like she was bathing and they were, had slaves, and that's just how it was. That was the dispensation for that time, the way God set it up, so all this could come to pass. And so they see the baby floating in the reeds in the river. She opened it up and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She said, yes, go. She answered, so the girl went and got the baby's mother. How convenient. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby, nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter. This is the mom, his real mom, and gave him to Pharaoh's daughter to become her son, and she named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Just like Israel, every time God changes your name, there's a thing behind it. It's not just because it's the 2022 popular baby list. How many have worked on those lists before and said, what shall my next kid be? Well, when you have five, those lists are pretty important by number five because you run out of C names. But this is bigger than that. And I find it interesting, and moms, I want, I want you to think about this. Can you imagine putting your baby in the water knowing that in order for the baby to survive, you weren't going to be really the one to raise it? And your neighbor here, the Egyptian Pharaoh's daughter, is going to be the one to raise it. And, and, and she knew, and Pharaoh knew, and together they saved this baby. Isn't that crazy? And God's so good. He even took the baby to his real mom to nurse because Pharaoh's daughter wasn't qualified to do what the real thing was qualified to do in that moment. I drew him out of the water. Moses was an Israelite who became a powerful, educated Egyptian man. That's later in the series. Today's about by the water. Has anybody ever made... Um, a reservation online, like 
the t- opentable.com. Now Google does it. And you just say, I want this place at this time. Go, and it says confirmed. It's like, I don't know how it works, but it just, I really know how it works. I do software. But what I'm saying is, I don't know how it works. And, and like, you just show up and they know you're coming. I didn't call them. I just told the Google pagan God, I want to show up at this time. And, and the restaurant says, we'll be waiting for you. Confirmed. You get an email. It's like so crazy how easy it is with technology to just reserve your spot, your time, your place. You don't know why it's coming to fruition, but you have the ability to go to it if it exists. And so that's kind of how I saw this message. The title of this message is Withdrawn by Reservation. Moses was withdrawn from the situation. And then he was put in the water. And then he was withdrawn from the water and put into a new reservation that God made. And so in this series, we're going to look at this and a few other things and why the character of Moses is so fascinating. It's because before he ever became a leader of the Israelites, he first had to go through a transition that God had planted planned, excuse me, before the foundations of the world. Did you know that every good leader has an issue? Did you know Moses didn't want to be the leader when he grew up? Because he, 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 he couldn't talk right. He was intimidated and he had a stutter. How many knew that? And he tried to opt out in chapter four of Exodus. He said, God, I'm not your guy. I can't speak. And so he said, that's okay. I got to wait for you. I'm going to use Aaron, your brother, to help you out because you're the man, Moses. And who I call, that can't change. My will doesn't change. My will is my will. And you can opt out of God's will, but if it's God's will, God will find a way to remedy your weakness. David, uh, Peter, you know, uh, Jacob, Esau, look at him. He was just a low-down, dirty brother. You know, or excuse me, Jacob was the shady one. He was the heel grabber, steal, stealing the birthright. Jacob was shady, robbing his brother, and Jacob became Israel. So what I'm saying is there's always this pattern that God will fix the gap of your, 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 your imperfection to use you anyway because he wants to use you, and he planned to use you. Y'all tracking? Okay. So I just wanted to give you that context that Moses tries to opt out of this later. Right now he's just a baby. He doesn't know what's going on. He's hungry. He sleeps. Change my diaper, whatever they use, whatever kind of pampers they use. That's all he thinks about back then, like Camilla. This was the first Moses moment. The series is going to look at several of these moments and how those, um, those moments contributed to God's story. It's God's story. We're just in it. Did you know this is God's story? We're just in it. This is not my story. It's my vision maybe, but it's God's story. God gives us vision. Man don't give vision. Vision just means I can see it because God gave it. But God's the one who executes it. And God's the one who does, does the, the heart, the, the cultivating of the seed. And so, so that's why we are painting God's story that was already written. As America, as his church, as uh, O'Fallon members of the, of the community. Like it's that practical, y'all. You, you are painting his story. 
And his story doesn't change. It's a matter of do we adapt to his story? And so this was the first moment in God's story for Moses that Moses' mother first had to decide, do I want to be in God's story? You know, every great thing you ever do in life, I don't care if you can take God out of this and make it about purely vain success, money, whatever, it will never be just you that got you there. There will always be somebody who blessed you before and someone to bless it after. There will always be a precursor and a post, post person to follow up. A, a, a previous boss, a previous leader, a previous mentor, a, a someone then you're going to mentor, someone then you're going to eventually retire, and eventually they're going to carry the torch. So, so, so Moses, his mother, it was kind of like Samuel's mother. Remember that? Like without his mother, without the moms, this is not a Mother's Day sermon, but it is, without the moms, Moses would not have made the transition into God's story. Isn't that cool? So it's a team thing. There was a team back in Exodus. And so I can't imagine being her, leaving the baby. Oh, my gosh. Can I say that in here? O-M-G-O-S-H? I know it's not right. But I just can't think about leaving my Camilla, even as her dad, even as the dad. I know that sounded really sexist. Even as the dad, I can't imagine leaving her by the river, Rusty. No, really, like my heart breaks thinking about the pain the mom had to think about. Like, what, what do I even think is going to happen here? I don't know. It's my only option. When we go to the lake, how many love the Lake of the Ozarks? Doesn't it look like the Caribbean? I mean, you just look in that water, and you can see the bottom, and you see all the, all the different types of fish. You see the, the, the whatever, the kind that have, you know, the sharks. And no, that's the Caribbean. This is black, dark water. Now, I don't know if y'all ever had a moment with your little ones where you decided to let them swim in that thing. And even though they got the safety vests on, you're still going, should I let go of them? Anybody? Me? Yeah. I remember taking them, taking them swimming, and I don't like to swim in the, the water. I think it's kind of gross. I'll do it, but I don't, like, look forward to it. I just kind of chill out, drink my coffee, and let them do their thing. And I've just never, never liked swimming in the lake of the Ozark water. But, but we, they swim all day. And I remember the very first time we had a place where they could swim in some deeper water, and I had to really trust the life preserver. Because especially little Kaylee, she was just a little shrimpy. And I put her down there, and I'm thinking, if that jacket fails, she's whoop, to the bottom. I don't even know where she went because I can't see nothing. I can't even see nothing. It's not like a nice pool where you can see the bottom, and you keep that thing vacuumed, and your friends come over, and they go, ooh, that's nice. No, this is lake water. And once they're gone, they're gone. You're calling Mr. Scuba Guy. And they can't breathe that long. And so I'm, I'm pretty cynical, you know, with my kids swimming in the lake. And so it took me a couple years to slowly retract out of faith and trust to know that if they're in the water, they're going to float. Now, we're still working on our swimming skills. They're okay. They're not great. By the way, there's a new swim school right by Winghaven and 40. And if you want to get your kid in there, tough luck. It's full. We couldn't get them in. But we're working on it. Because I said, well, next spring, you're going to really do it, guys. No more worrying about sinking. Dad's really going to be confident that you can swim. And then another year goes by, and they can kind of doggy paddle. How many remember learning the doggy paddle? You know, I learned in an above-ground pool in Bridgeton with my dad. And I'll never forget, we had this rickety old fence. And I stuck my hand back there, Janet, like four years old. There was a tennis ball, and a bee got me. And our wasp, and I remember going, ah! 
daddy. But with a pool, it was different. You could see what's on the bottom. But you're talking a river. I always thought of Moses like he was in a speedboat. Did anybody, when they heard the story of Moses being put in the river by his mama, did y'all think he was like in a little sea ray or something, like cruising down the river, and then the the Pharaoh's daughters kind of snatched him on the way? That's like what my mind did. Did anybody else have weird illustrations like that of Moses in the water? Anybody just have weird illustrations in general? Okay, okay, we're getting somewhere. So, so what she did was she put him in the reeds because the reeds kept it from moving. Rivers have current, okay? So, so if you don't keep them in the reeds, the baby keeps going. And so I don't even think it was as dramatic as I always thought. I think the mom went and put the baby by the reeds because he wasn't visible. And then Pharaoh's daughter came later and started to bathe and, and said, heard the baby crying because she, she knows as a, as, a, as a woman, the intuition of a child being near, and she, she heard the baby and grabbed it. And God, God did that. God, that was the baby's life preserver were the reeds. So my 2020 translation is, is putting my baby in the jacket and leaving it and expecting somebody to come take care of it if I walk away and maybe never come back. Isn't that horrible? But she had to do it because if she didn't do it, that baby was a boy and that baby was under two and that baby was going to be killed. So when you've got to do something, when you've got to do it, people do it. When they don't have to do it, they wait. She was approaching the water's edge. I just can't imagine. I don't even know if it was a faith thing at that, at that point, Vince, because she had no choice. I can't imagine. And that very first step is the hardest. The very first step is the hardest because the first step to anything you keep studying for and thinking about doing, that first step is where you finally say, I'm just jumping in the water. People spend their, I know people that keep talking about this goal they have outside the church, and they were telling me the same thing five years ago. And I'm going, what did you do for five more years? You're telling me the same story. Eventually, son, you just got to go in and do something. You just got to do it. You want to invest in that? Just go do something. Quit trying to be Donald Trump and just go buy something small and test the waters and learn something because that's the only way you're going to swim. And so, and so I thought of that here, like that mom had that moment, like that, aha, I got to do this because that first step is everything. It, it's people coming in the church. People that never go to church, they, they, they feel convicted. They feel guilty, like they're not welcome. That is the devil's lie. The church is for the broken. We're all broken. I sinned you 10 times yesterday. No, I'm kidding. Like, you know what I'm saying? We, we were all broken. We're meant to be here together because we're God's children, and he refines us. I just talked about that this morning. I was, I was on my heart at 3 in the morning that God is refining us. We're not refining him to our image. He's refining us to his image. And when we make him about us, we become idols. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching because even what the churches are doing is they're starting to come up with cultural things that are not the Bible. And they're sending people to somewhere that's not heaven. Can I say it like that? According to scripture. And so, and so there's a point in your walk, maybe it's your relationship that God's got to pull you out of that so he can pull you back into something else. So you got to get into the water so you can get out of the water. I just stay broken. Get in the reeds. I love you guys. Approaching the water's edge is scary. 
I got five of those things. I, I'm not ready for Camilla to float yet without daddy. I'll get in for her because I love her. I hate that water. It's icky. I don't like it being on me. Anybody that comes in my house after they've been in that water, I'm like, you taking a shower before you sit on my couch. Yeah, I'm that OCD about it because it grosses me out. It's just like, I don't know what was in there. Anything. <laughs> Speaking from the heart here, God sent this message. Camilla, she's just in the baby pool still because it's just this deep and it's pretty blue and I control the water. But that's not a real test of faith, Mike. She can't, I don't have to really trust God by putting her in that kiddie pool that's this thick. But when, when next spring comes or next summer, when I go to put her in the real water, I'll be thinking about that jacket. Is that tight enough? Michelle, you never make it tight enough. They're going to slip out the bottom. Dear Lord, use the, use the, we call it the pee-pee strap. I know it's not politically correct. It's the strap that goes in between so you can't sink. <laughs> Kaylee's like, Dad, do I have to wear it this year? I'm like, yes. When you're 12, you can, no. But it's a safety harness for the child, Okay. And so uh, approaching that water's edge in the darkness is scary. And that's no different than what God will do to you when you, when you need out. He wants you out of that, and he wants to take you to something new. You're going to have to face the water's edge. You're going to have to approach it, and it gets better. You're going to have to get in that dark, deep water. The reed's got you. The, the tar and pitch, the, the papyrus basket, God made it by reservation. So if God secured my reservation for this, I don't have to worry about how I'm going to get through it. Are you willing to be withdrawn by reservation? This was the point of exchange. It was in the reeds. In the river is when Moses transitioned. It wasn't after. It wasn't before. The mother and her servants grabbed him from that place. You have to be willing to get in that place to have the point of exchange out of that place. I'm trying to get you all to connect this into your own situation. If you don't ever let God draw you out of that problem... He can never draw you back in to the new season. If you just keep planning on it and planning on it and planning on it, but I'll just give it another year, another year goes by. You've got to find the place of exchange. And the baby's mom knew it, and Pharaoh's mom, Pharaoh's daughter did it. Oh, geez, Pharaoh's mom. Pharaoh's daughter did it, knew it, and together they created the point of exchange for Moses. I think deep down, God spoke to Moses' mother because that was the only choice. And when you don't have a choice, you hear God really well. What was I doing? I had a deep spiritual moment the other day, guys. We bought a golf cart. Y'all know what a golf cart is? Do y'all know what golf is? Okay, okay. We know what golf is. I don't, I don't like the way they dress either. It's just like a thing. I don't know. It's weird to me too. So this guy shows up with the golf cart, Rusty, that we ordered months ago. He 
you know, we had to put some LED lights on and make it cool and put a little sound bar and really just like, you know, like it's in Jesus' name, you know, he told me to do this. And so, so the golf cart finally shows up on a tractor. And I'm not joking, y'all. I had to come to Jesus' moment because I had no choice, Jen, but to save this man about to destroy this golf cart. He had put this cart on a trailer that was only meant to hold the width of a car. So you know what happens? The in-between, there's nothing there. And so somehow he had got this cart on the, 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 the horizontal, the lateral bars that support the trailer, and it was just harnessed on like, like doing a stinky leg, just chicken dance from Florida because there was no way the wheels could sit on the actual trailer because it was too wide. So I'm not, a, I'm not like a physics guy, I'm not a math whiz, and I'm not that smart overall, but I saw that, and I thought, how's that going to come off of there? Is he got, is God, are you going to just lift this thing up in there? And I didn't see a crane. I didn't see the, the dove come down and land on the thing, and, the, and then the baptism of the golf cart was going to come to life. I didn't hear God speak. I saw damage, damage, damage. I don't like this man right now. That's what I saw. And so, so I get up there, and him and his, his girlfriend, who rode along with him, is going to get this card off for me, the customer. And, and, and so, so, Rusty, there's nothing under the wheels. So they turn it on, and they're speaking in another language, tongues. Probably they were praying on a heavenly level because they're like, we're going to destroy this. God help us. But no, they were speaking in another language, and like there was two inches of metal that on each wheel, Nolani, if it was perfectly centered, there was, I'm not joking, there was two inches of tread that could fit on the trailer, if perfectly centered. If you sneezed and it went sideways, bottom out. You with me? And so, so, so they had this, like, metal thing, and they were in there, like, trying to shim the wheel, mic and, like, like, trying to hobble this thing down, and there was just no way. So I said, Lord, help me. Let me do this for you. I said, you need help? Okay. I said, no, you're taking help because you're going to destroy this, and I'm going to get it on video, and then I'm going to be really upset because I just stood here and watched it tumble to the ground. And so I got on that thing, and I'm like, okay, brother, listen. Like, he doesn't even know English. I said, listen, if we get it center, I think I could, I've never driven this thing. I don't know what kind of torque it has, a lot. I don't, I don't know anything about it, and I, I'm going to drive it, and his, his girlfriend was the one trying to drive it for me, and it was really freaking me out because she looked like she'd never been on one, and she was kind of laughing. And I'm like, is this funny? Where's that napkin? I'm sweating now thinking about it. For real. So I'm sitting on, you ever, you ever seen a high wire walk? I'm sitting on this cart and I'm like, I feel like I'm on two cables. And if I blink too hard, the wheel's going to come off. And so I kept doing this like inchy forward back thing. And then he'd scream, stop, because it was about to fall. And then I'd stop and we start again. It took like 45 minutes of me inching this thing into a perfect center position. And there was a point where I said, God, please let me get this stinking golf cart off this trailer in Jesus' name. I was so upset that we were in this, but I had no choice but to focus. There was no one to call. There was nothing to do. I had no choice. And finally, I started getting it down. This, I mean, just barely. It was like, oh, my Lord, God is in this, or this thing is toast. Then we get to the end and boom, on the ground. Praise God. Okay, get out of here. I never want to see you again. Have a good day. By the way, I'm a pastor. You should come check out our church sometime. I didn't tell him that, but I thought about it. 
I'm just kidding. I was really nice to the man. I, was, I, I think we hugged it out because I said, bro, we just almost died together. I love you now. I think I hugged his girlfriend. I know it's not right. I just, I was so thankful that God rescued us and there was no choice. So I tell you that story. I know it's funny and it sounds a little material and you know, it's, it's a golf cart, but, but God put me in a situation and he'll put you in a situation like that where you have to cry for help because there is no probable chance of success. This looks impossible to achieve. Growing a church looks impossible to achieve to a church planner most times, unless God calls. They say you're called or crazy. I like to say called. And so God will put you in a place where you, you say God is calling. God made a reservation. And so your life is the same way. There's a point of exchange where you have no choice. You've got to say, I got to get in the reeds so I can get out of this mess. It's a dead end that way. Pharaoh's waiting for me. If I get in these reeds, at least I might have a chance to float down the river and find something else, like an Airbnb or something. Like, I don't know. But if I stay, there's no choice. I have to go. Has anybody ever felt that? Like, you just finally hit a point. There's no choice. I got to go. I can forgive them. I can forget about it, but it will never leave my mind. So I can't live like that. I've got to go. It's over. It's over. I'm done with that. That's when you will jump in the reeds. That's when you run for the reeds. And that's the point of exchange that God did for Moses and he will do for you over and over and over. It's how desperate we are for God is how quickly God affects our situation. We got to be desperate for him. But the baby's mom knew God would prevail. God will exchange you're dead end for a road to glory. Has anybody ever like looked back and go, man, remember when I really wanted that thing or that person or that goal or that relationship or that achievement? And then you're just so thankful it didn't go, go your way. That like God was protecting you and you thought he was hurting you. And you thought it wasn't fair. You're playing your own violin, you know. They say, poor me, you know. Like you were doing that. And then you're like, God, thank you for sounding a trumpet and breaking that violin because you actually love me so much. You were rescuing me. Anybody? Okay. God protected the baby to preserve the Israelites' purpose. Remember, it's before and after. Moses is in the moment, but the Israelites are the future, led by Moses. This is all part of God's story. It's not about Moses. It's about this moment with Moses. And so when you look at your life and you look at the things you sacrifice for your family and your kids, I'm sure there's things you go, you know what? This is not for me. This is for my kids. That's why I'm dedicated to it. This is for my wife, my family, my grandchildren. This is for them. Like you're looking at it like it's God's story. So now, what about your mission for the kingdom if you look at it the same way with the same dedication? It will change what work looks like. And you will look forward to it. And you will think, man, I feel weird if I'm not doing it. And I, I, I actually get uncomfortable if I'm not tasked with something for the kingdom. I don't know how I can live that comfortable anymore. That's how you'll feel when you do it and do it. Because you see, it's really about God's story. I think in all my years of life, I've never become so, I don't want to say open-minded. I'm becoming more understanding of people that are not just like me. 
And people that didn't grow up like me, even people that go to other types of churches that don't believe like me, I'm becoming more sensitive to what we're trying to achieve in the end. And that's becoming my focus. It doesn't mean there's no, there's no, there's no uh, distinct things that are very valuable according to the scripture. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying anything goes because there's some people who think anything goes. And I don't believe that. And if anything goes, then I would stand for nothing. And if I had to stand for nothing, then Jesus didn't do anything on the cross. It was a waste. And so he stood for something. That's why I know the Bible. We're standing for something and we're holding that truth. But what I'm saying is I look at the people with a sensitivity that aren't like me and that even times where maybe I have it wrong and that God just take us to that place. That's what I'm trying to do. I don't look at denomination. I don't look at culture. I don't look at anything. I look at God's people. Take us to that place. And so that's, that's mission-minded. That's what gets you up in the morning. And it's, it's really cool because you'll start interacting with people different, and you'll start learning from them different because you're listening to things around you different. Remember that whole affirmation versus growing? Affirmation versus revelation. That's, that's what you can live in an affirmation world where you're really never taking anything in. You're only d- d- displaying what's already there. That's not what the mission is. We're to grow by the power of the Spirit leading us. But it's so cool because God did not abandon his real mom. He kept her in the picture. He kept her around. Because he wasn't trying to get rid of his mother. He was trying to save the baby because of the political problem. So the goal wasn't to take away his mom. So his mom knew God loved her and loved Moses. And by doing this, it was actually because he loved them, not to separate them. Are you willing to be withdrawn by reservation? This was reserved for you. God went to Google for you in this situation. But you got to show up at the time of the reservation, or guess what they do? They cancel it. What happens if you show up in the reservations past and it's really busy? Sorry, come back another time. I'm not trying to scare y'all, but you can just go read John. First John, second John. He says, God's love for you is shown by how you live for God. And if it's not matching by your, your lifestyle, then something's broken in this. And so, so that's how you find the reservation. That's how you find the reeds. You keep plowing the field even when it doesn't feel fair. You keep seeking God's face even when it doesn't feel fair. I've talked about that. There's been points in my life where no prayer did nothing. All I could do was put Jesus' face on it. When I'd see the other thing that hurt, the person, the thing, the anxiety, I just kept masking it with his face. And I don't really even know what he looked like. I just have my, my, you know, my British Prince William or whatever snapshot with long hair of a nice flowy Jesus. That's not what he looked like because he was from Israel. Hello. But what I'm saying is that's what, whatever works, God says, put my face on it. And just keep putting my face on it and following me. And I will take you to the river's bank and I will draw you out and get you out. I'm going to get you out. Look to your neighbor and say, God's going to get you out. God's going to get you out. God's saving you by reserving you. He's reserving you. A reservation means there's a special place waiting with your name on it. Oh, now this is getting good. I was thinking about food. No, a reservation means your name is on the, is on the list. And anybody that shows up in your name, that's not who was called. God says, I got a reservation for you to get you out of this so I can put you into this, Moses. 
The reservation says, Moses, party of one. Infants allowed. No shoes, no shirt. It's okay. Bring a onesie. <laughs> you know, you can't find a hoodie for a baby. You got to get a zip-up jacket. I've been trying for 30 minutes now to find a one-seed similar hoodie I could put on Camilla, and I can't find a thing because they're just too big. So we're working on not getting one with a zipper because they don't make them. But thankfully, God cares about babies more than the world does in their clothing. So this reservation was for Moses. And your, your reservation is for you because you have a reserved purpose. Our vision is discover God's perfect plan made just for you. It is perfectly described by this text here. You have a reserved purpose that if anybody else shows up on your behalf, in your purpose, in this life, they will decline them to enter. You know why? Because they got their own reservation. They got their own. It said, you know, it said P.F. Chang's and this one's at Kataro. I mean, you're supposed to go to Kataro and they're going to P.F. Chang's. So if they show up at the wrong place, they go, we don't know you. We didn't call you to this. We did call you though. And that's how God is good. He's called every one of us with a reserved purpose. It's an appointment. It was on God's calendar. I think God wants to rename somebody today. Maybe your name for yourself is what the devil came up with. Maybe God's name for you is what God came up with. The devil says, your name's sinking ship. God says, well, I'm going to call you drawn out. You're Moses now. Because I have, I have a high expectation for you. And the devil wants to trick you into thinking God don't care. God wants to rename you today. He renamed Jacob. He renamed Peter. He renamed um, Moses. The baby didn't have a name, I don't think. He just named him. He was no name. He didn't even have a name. But it was with intention. Anytime God changes the name... There's a mission behind it. If y'all could stand with me. Moses moments, week one, he was withdrawn by reservation. Are you willing to be withdrawn by your reservation that God made? I want to read verse 10 again real quick, KK. Verse 10, when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. This is not the only place this is so relevant. Anytime God gives a name, it's because of what he did. Anytime he gives a name, it's because of what he did. Oh, I'm about to get preachy on y'all. Y'all ain't even getting this. Anytime I take on the name of the Messiah in Jesus, it's because of what he did. I've got a new name when I become a new creation in the Christ. I am an authority, an authorized messenger of the Messiah. Therefore, anything I say and do, I am saying Jesus said this. That's called being a Christian. That's why it's a dangerous place to say something else that Jesus didn't. Because you just took his name in marriage. You are married to somebody. Are you going to do that to your spouse? I'm not talking about a worldly situation. We are, the, we are the bride of the groom. 
And so how are we going to take care of the groom? By being stingy, cheap, the dominant, not willing, lazy, don't want to touch it, leave me alone. I'll get my own bank account, God. <laughs> Come on, am I getting real on somebody? He's our, he's our groom. He's our father. We love him. He died for us. I'm going to go all in for Christ because I'm writing God's story. It's not about me and impressing others. It's God's story. I have a reserved purpose. Look to your neighbor and say, I have a reserved purpose. It's for me. Don't you touch my purpose. It's for me. It's for me. All you young people, that's who God uses the most. King David, Peter, Mary. I could just keep going, I'm sure. God wants to use you. We're using young people. God wants to use you. Train a child up in the way they should go. When they're old, they will not stray. That's why we train them up while they're young. Are you teaching your child to write God's story today? Are you so consumed by your problem? If you want out of your problem, teach your child and watch your problem kind of go away. Take your baby to the reeds today. Take them to the reeds. Oh, it's ugly. God's going to rescue them. And God's going to make them a great leader like Moses because you did this for them. Or maybe you already know your mom and dad took you to the reeds and now you feel God tugging. Yeah, that's the tug of the call. That's the burden the Christian church calls the burden of God. It feels heavy. It makes me want to weep. It's because it was put on you by reservation. It was put on us by reservation to open this church. It was put on us by reservation to find the only building in the entire world with a stoplight. I didn't look for that. God said, this was one seat church's reservation. We had three pastors come by Thursday. I'm a pastor, but I'm not like a pastor old, like, hey, pastor buddies, let's all hang out on Thursday. Like, I'm not that kind of guy. I got things to do, and I, I like y'all, but we had three show up Thursday, and it was weird because I'm like, this is like a God thing. They weren't planned. They all just showed up at different times on Thursday. I was so exhausted Thursday, I couldn't even talk to y'all on the team calls because I couldn't think anymore. My brain was fried from God overload. You know who else came by? Remember Victor? That was yesterday. You know what he did? Victor, I know you're watching, my brother. Love you. He says, where's your pulpit? I said, it's over there. I said, see the tape? That's so the stagehand knows. Put I'm getting all technical on him. He comes right where the pulpit's at, and he says, come to your knees with me, brother. And we prayed over this church right here on the cement, just me and him. And I love y'all, but I didn't think about that. God sent that man who was buying our drums to pray for this church by reservation. By reservation. None of this is coincidence. It's by reservation. None of this was coincidence. In the high school, when people were weird because they said, why another church? It was by reservation. It wasn't coincidence that Corona tried to stop God's moving in, in, in his kingdom because it was by reservation of the devil. But that was a bad reservation. I don't show up to any reservation. I kick the ones that are no good back to the devil because God had a reservation to get us through the high school and into a movie theater and into a YMCA and into a permanent place. And God knows what's next. Like Amanda said, because it's by reservation. And when I know the reservations there, I'm jumping in the reeds. Who wants to jump in with me? Who wants to get in the reeds? If it's by reservation, it's all good. It's all good. And I'm going to wipe my head on that. Let's pray. 
God, I give you thanks now for your reservation purpose that you've put on each and every one of us in this house. There is no one too small, too insignificant to recognize that you called them. You've got an appointment with their name change on it. You're giving them a new birth certificate, something that never expires, something that no one can never accept because it's an eternal certificate that says they are branded into your blood and forever yours. So God, we recognize that now. We recognize the importance that we're painting and telling and bringing to life your story. And we're gonna look back when we're old and go, we were part of the story of God's redeeming mission to bring the lost back into the kingdom forever, that everything we did brought those that we lost back in union with us. We thought we'd never see them again, but our efforts brought them back to you. And if it wasn't for us and us being faithful to you, we would have never see them enter the kingdom. And we're thankful for that because we love them like you love them. So God, we're thankful for that. And we see the end result and we give glory for that. Give us strength this week to jump in the reeds. Give us strength this week to know that someone's going to pull us out. That's you, Lord. We're not going to be there forever. That's our doorway out. I thank you, God, now. I give you praise now. And if all the people of the, of the Lord can say in Jesus' name, amen.